when I was kind of researching you guys, it's kind of hard to find specific information. Yeah. And I wonder, has that been quite deliberate? There's an element of mystery behind it. So I feel like people maybe want to know a little bit more, more about it. We've never really spoke too much about what we do. Like we keep it quite quiet and we don't really do interviews and stuff. So, um. <laughs> it's an honor. Because of the immediate silhouette of what you make, people refer to it as kind of sportswear and they often lump you in the same category with other London designers who are doing a similar kind of Mm. silhouette so someone like a Nazir or an Astrid Anderson yeah yeah um, I'm interested who do you guys see as your peers we don't see ourselves as a sportswear or streetwear brand that's the thing although we use sportswear influences and but we also use tailoring influences as well but we never get called tailoring do you know what I mean so mm. it's a hard one Who's yeah your I think I mean as youngsters both of us we have very different backgrounds but both of us really looked up to and inspired and we're really interested by luxury and about mm. these big kind of Paris fashion houses and stuff which when we were younger seemed so million miles away and it was something that really fascinated us I think from a young age yeah, just sure. flicking through magazines you know um, I think as we kind of got a little bit older and I mean well I mean me from a young age I was really into Kim Jones he was a huge inspiration to me and huge fan of Raph from a very young age both of us were um, and then on top of that I guess yeah like like I was saying about these kind of big Paris brands even women's wear brands and stuff like this you know when Prada were doing their campaigns in the 90s you know it was always really really exciting for us to look at something that was this just huge fantasy world I guess we've always wanted to show in Paris and we've always wanted to kind of experience that side of fashion and we feel like um, everything's doable because we back each other up and so it's definitely something that we are yeah. aiming towards mm. yeah you mentioned that you had very different backgrounds tell me a bit about your backgrounds I know you don't like talking about this <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in Bristol um, yeah very yeah working class background you know very sort of yeah moving from sort of houses into council houses and growing up on sort of those sort of as not estates in sort of the london sense of the word as in tower blocks but you know sort of still like semi-detached house in the states yeah and just kind of growing up with friends that are all you know trade good at their trades and do you know plumbing bricklaying carpentry so for me to go to art college was a bit of maybe different mm. because i was the only one who'd done that out of my friends yeah, that's kind of my background. I've always been very arty, if that's the word. <laughs> yeah, it comes, my dad's very arty, so I get it from him. And were you interested in fashion? Yeah, but not in the... I think that's where me and Matt differ a little bit. I think my interest was probably a little bit more... Um, a little bit more laddy. Um, so I was very like into labels, you know, your Stone Islands and Burberry's and stuff, and kind of that sort of terrace culture. Mm. Um, and then that sort of, yeah, I sort of graduated from that a bit and was very moddy for a long time. <laughs> Scooters and suits and shit. Yeah. Matthew, yeah. tell me about you. Um, I was born in New York and I left America when I was eight and moved to sunny Essex, uh, which is <laughs> where I was brought up. Um, and uh, for me, um, it was, yeah, quite a sort of suburban lifestyle. Um, and I mean, my family are from all over the, none of my family are from the same place. So um, I, I've got quite a kind of mixed nationalities, I guess. And that's kind of the contrast between me and Ben. When I moved to this country, I was at the age where, um, I guess where you're at age, you know, seven years old, where you just want to fit in with people because mm. you're different. Um, and I remember trying incredibly hard to be 
British. I mean, everyone at my school were all British and um, I really stood out. And I remember spending years just kind of wanting to fit in. And then you get to a certain age when you're a teenager where you just want to be completely different to mm. everyone. Um, and I think a common ground that me and Ben have is that both of us, for some bizarre reason, even though our upbringings are so different, <laughs> sort of ended up kind of researching and reading and studying the kind of same subjects and I was really fascinated with British culture um, mm, and a lot of British movements and Ben was because he was brought up around that and his parents were part of that so um, it's kind of like a common interest but from very different angles I guess. You said that you met at art college but I'd read somewhere else that you met on a bus which is correct. Yeah. <coughs> but it's both. It's both. We were at college and we had a bus trip but we hadn't met at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, it but it was a college trip. It's like a 12-hour trip from Bristol to, to Paris. Bristol to Paris on a bus. And we were the only two boys yeah. in our class, so we were forced into a, a, to share a room together. And, uh, oh, wow. I, yeah. I'd been to Paris a couple of times. You'd never been, No, right? I'd never and, been. Yeah. So we did our kind of, what we had to do to study, but we also kind of separated and sampled the nightlife. <laughs> I see. Yeah, and that's how we bonded. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> we spoke um, about music really a lot, and then we also... Yeah, we just spoke about everything, well, for 12 hours on the bus. We had a real, I mean, and we still do do this, but we have a real fondness wherever we are to really immerse ourselves in the experience and to kind of really go for it. And so when we were in Paris, we kind of, yeah, didn't do the normal sort of student thing. And no. um, yeah, we just wanted to kind of experience what the kind of underground nightlife was like in Paris and uh, yeah, well, yeah you'd already researched some nights right yeah yeah you, Matt already knew what was gonna happen in Paris that weekend so mm. yeah and, we that, and that's kind of how and a look. that's and, and that's how we still kind of yeah, experience so things to this day yeah we, we worked were, yeah. together from the point almost from the very point from, that we met each yeah, other yeah I think um, from the day we both put our mood boards up in our college and realized that we were both looking at very similar things we had enough, like immediate attraction to each other and each other's work you know so we started from that point on so <coughs> helping each other really and supporting each other. each other and mm. ask each other's opinion like on our own collections during college you know mm. yeah um and yeah i mean we both have kind of different strengths and weaknesses and uh we both helped each other kind of finish our final collections together so even yeah. even then it was kind of a collaborative thing mm. um and I moved back to London and Ben moved from Bristol to London. We yeah. moved at the same time mm. and lived down the road. And like even just like, yeah, finding models and stuff, we find these like triplets on MySpace. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> MySpace. Um, yeah, and then got them, like paid for them to come to Bristol for the weekends. And then, you know, when we done our final collections, we both knew that we had like triplets in the bag, you know? <laughs> And they were sick as well, they looked good. I'm particularly interested in the kind of references to subculture and historical subculture. And it, yeah. was that the kind of things that you started looking at in college? Yeah, exactly. It was so, all documentary photography, really, to start with. Self-produced mm. photography, be it in like the fetish world and like weird flicker groups, like Matt was saying, or mm. YouTube as YouTube, well. YouTube, lots of YouTube stuff. Mm. Yeah, but I guess that's just because we've also been researching differently as well. You know, we've been using the internet a lot more than probably when we were at college. Mm. When we were at college, it was probably more book-based, you know, and, that's, and there was more documentation of that, especially with the whole Skinner thing and mm. Nick and stuff. So. Yeah, Skinnerism is kind of a big influence. Yeah. Is that what? Yeah, yeah. Why? We've is it something to do with masculinity? Or is it the style? What is it? I think, yeah, I think it's like um, maybe like... The, for me, it's the misunderstanding of what it is. I think people find it very 
very aggressive and almost a bit sort of scruffy and not but there's there's so many sort of hidden codes within it especially in the clothing mm. um that people don't really know about so yeah I, I i'm fascinated by the sort of secretness of mm. you know the group culture yeah know? i think sort of yeah like ben said the group is uh, the groups of people is something that we're always really interested in and something yeah. that we we kind of research a lot um, yeah we tend to become sort of quite obsessive over a particular concept or subject and so that will tend to involve a group of people a group of guys mm. normally mm. yeah and i guess now we've started to kind of build our own sort of cotwilder groups you know that have taken parts of these past cultures which are what we're translating you know mm. i think there's like a real sense of kind of fetish in your mm -hmm. work and you've talked about this before i know yeah but i think there is kind of a focus i interpret it as a focus on kind of these a lot of kind of group fetishes as well but also the what sort of there's kind of these strange kind of sexual undertones yeah, to it totally. and i wonder how deliberate that is because i know you've totally. done things like look at videos of those weird fetishes where like guys are in the shower yeah, wearing and the like tracksuits. Trainer crushing and shit. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's funny because it really <coughs> depends on the viewer and how they interpret these things because in that kind of world there's um, uh, a lot of blurred lines going on. There's a lot of people that who aren't exposed to things like that and would see it and see it in a very different way, not in a fetish way, more in a kind of adoration of a particular item, mm -hmm. like trainers, for example. Um, and it's funny when we speak to people who are into what we do and have absolutely no idea that there's any kind of fetish reference involved at all. And we really love that, you know, because we want it to be universal. We want it to mean different things to different people. It means something different to me than it does to Ben. Exactly. And what the final product is, is a combination of those two things. Mm. It's never, a, it's never, a, we never set out to create no. something that's sexually provocative in any kind of way. Um, it's kind of more of just of an expression of who we are I guess yeah. and, and, and the sort of things that we're interested in and uh, also fascinated by I yeah. think you know like I said this kind of uh, notion of adoring a material object to the point that it becomes fetishized is really fascinating for mm. us. I wonder particularly from the fashion press do you ever find a level of conservatism where because it is you know a tracksuit shape or something they don't yeah. look as closely so, at the garment yeah it's easy just to call it sportswear isn't it you yeah know? exactly um yeah it's yeah i think it's just it, it's, it's easier it's, it's kind of almost lazy to just say yeah it's sportswear because it's got an elasticated calf you know do you think that's going to have to change though because yeah it, of course yeah. yeah yeah it has to change it has to it just has to be spoken about as menswear. I don't see why you have to categorise it. Even streetwear is a bit naff as a word. More people wear sportswear than tailoring. You know, you just have to stand on a tube to see that now. I read in an interview before you said that, you know, a lot of what you do is kind of inspired by your relationship sort of with each other. Yeah. What is your relationship with each other? <laughs> just mates who make just stuff. Yeah. yeah, we're just best mates. And yeah. Um, yeah, we're just lucky that that hasn't changed over the 10, no. 10 or so years that we've known each and other. Yeah, we're just constantly talking, you know, about the label. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> it does everybody else's head in, I'm sure. But for me and Matt, it's all, you know, it's everything. So, so going back to that whole sportswear thing. There's, I think it is kind of fetishized in fashion, particularly in a kind of, um, it is that fashion 
fetishization of kind of a working class boy, which you see a lot related totally. to sportswear. Yeah. And that can then become this strange kind of homoerotic element. Sure. Do you guys explore that in your work? Do you see people responding to your work in that way? I think it's, um, I, I think this kind of thing about glamorizing working class culture is something that we uh, avoid. I think to some people, they probably maybe think that, but actually it's kind it's of really just, just going again. back to yeah, us. It's just ingrained in us, you know, like for whatever reason. I think, yeah, there's certain elements from Ben's background that obviously come through into his creativity and that become part of Cotweiler. I think um, it wouldn't, yeah, it's just a normal thing. I think also we like to present things in a very kind of clean sort of, I mean, I'm going to use the word luxury again. I'm not sure if it's the right word, but in, in a kind of luxury scenario, we don't like to shoot boys up against council flats and yeah. concrete walls and um, that kind of thing. We like to present it in, in a slightly different way, I hope. Yeah, and also there, I think maybe moving a little bit away from focusing on the boy, we've started to look a lot more into sort of, you know, working class interiors, but not in a sort of scummy flat you know what I mean it's we're looking at sort of new build homes and you know we're trying to explore what actually it is to just sort of be on a normal level living in Britain like not in a yeah I mean we all know, this like, is another it's thing. familiar it's just we like the familiarity of stuff like. mm. we, we often pick up on certain objects that like just out of complete coincidence Ben's mum has in her living room and my mum has in her bathroom and mm. both completely different houses in completely different parts of the country mm. yeah. but it's an object that everyone recognizes and understands and we enjoy kind of making the mundane look beautiful in some kind of way as well so yeah I think obviously there's an element of I guess Ben's working class background, but also a strong element of my middle class background, mm. and uh, and that becomes oh, yeah. kind I don't of think, yeah, yeah. universal in a way. It's I think it's just object, yeah, especially with the object thing. Is objects that are familiar to everyone, you know, but they've not really thought about them. I think that's something we're really enjoying mm. exploring at the moment. Yeah, I was going to ask how you how you split your work and yeah. Do what, so I, but... I do a lot um, much more of the pattern cutting and sort of the more hands on make side of it. Mm. And Matt does a lot more of the sort of styling, the overall image, the casting, you know, mm. he's more involved in that. We're both involved equally, but mm. we both have, you know, Matt's more into that and I'm more into that. And we've had to kind of divide our time a little bit as we become busier. There was a point where both we stand were over everything, interlocked yeah. over a table for hours on end, cutting yeah. patterns together. And Ben's taught me a lot on that side, and vice versa. Yeah, in the same never way. You but know. we have had to, you know, we have had to kind of divide roles a little bit. Um, but as Ben but it said, makes it, yeah, this is what makes it work. That's what keeps us both fully, you know. Mm. making sure that it is to a level yeah mm. wherever it, but the best to be best we can do at this point you know what do you think you would have done if you hadn't met each other <laughs> i would have been making suits i think yeah yeah ben was on savile row so yeah perhaps you'd still i would have still be there yeah there. probably in like a three-piece waistcoat suit thing <laughs> how no. long were you on savile row for uh like five years did you like it yeah it's nice yeah it's cool <laughs> I learned a lot, really a lot, yeah. I think you learn like um, those finer details and what is actually luxury in uh, and tradition and craftsmanship and stuff, yeah, of course. 
What would you be doing, Matt? Oh, God, I don't know. I think I'd probably be doing something very similar to what I'm doing now. Um, I think it would probably appeal to a slightly different guy. I think, obviously, because our relationship creates something that is unique to itself. Um, so, yeah, I think I would be in a similar world for sure. I mean, I remember being really, really young and wanting to photograph everything, make all the clothes, just mm. create everything myself. Um, and I can't really imagine that changing. No, but maybe I reckon you'd be a bit more sort of pressy, like more like maybe like you definitely have a magazine, right? Something like that. Yeah. I or mean, a book. Books. Yeah. You'd have a book. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys see as kind of um, success? Like, what would you feel like you'd have made it or you'd be proud of yourselves if you got to a certain point? The goalposts are constantly changing. <laughs> so, you know, we probably have achieved something that we really wanted to achieve a yeah. few years ago and haven't even realised it, you know, because we're already looking at the next thing. I don't think either of us will ever be fully satisfied. We're constantly pushing ourselves. So I think if we sat back and said, oh, do you know what? When I was like 15, I wanted to be in this magazine and now I'm this age and I'm in it. Yeah. Job done, you know, I think. Yeah. Um, it, it's almost like a, it's bizarre actually when something like that does happen and we actually sort of go, oh, this is nice. And then like a few days later, we're like, oh my God, like that's kind of really important. Like, mm. uh, so it just keeps yeah. changing and I yeah, imagine I just, it always will. It's changed quite yeah. a few times. And, the, and yeah, like the goals are always quite short term as well. Like you know, get a bigger studio and then we get a bigger studio and that's, we're happy with that, you know? And then, mm. So it's, yeah, it's not, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, I guess success is just to keep on being able to do it and do it honestly, right? Mm. I think that's a, a successful label to get to a point where you've stayed true to what, to what you've believed in from the start, you know? I think when you start to steer away from that, I guess personally you become less successful. It's all about yourself, right? Yeah.